Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Mind the Gap, Enablex's only podcast talking sales and marketing alignment in part three of our four-part mini-series on content enablement workflows. Our guest today is the man himself, Gaurav Arode. Gaurav, how's it going? Good. How are you? Excited to be Do- here. Doing very well. Yeah, it's been it's been some time. You you've hung around the Mind the Gap periphery um, for uh, almost a year now, but uh, but yeah. we decided to bring you on um, uh, for maybe for people that are just coming in at part three of our uh, twenty five part podcast. Uh, could could you tell the uh, the listenership who you are and what you do? Sure. Uh, my name is Gaurav Harudi. Uh, you can call me G if Gaurav is a tongue twister. And I am founder and CEO of Enablex. Started Enablex five years ago uh, in the sales enablement space and very familiar with the B2B selling and buying space in my career. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think the, the podcast uh, title theme of today being quality kind of touches at the heart of what you do at Enablex. Um, Sure. The idea, yeah. because if I, if, I, if I get it right, and I think I do, the idea of Enablex is to have the highest quality content library if you, if you can. Is, is, is that right? Sure, yeah. I think when, when we started Enablex and even to this day, when we work with different prospects, we always sort of like try to suggest and recommend and instill this notion that it's not a quantity game. A lot of marketing and sales enablement teams approach content enablement and sales content management as a quantity like oh we need a ton of content we need lots of collateral and we believe that it's not a quantity game it's a quality game and therefore sales reps don't need 10 decks they need maybe two or three and how can you help get them there is all about quality and relevancy yeah, and, and it sounds to me like like you said, there's nothing wrong with a lot of quantity, right? You can have a lot of a good sure. thing. It's just yeah. incredibly unlikely um, for for anybody uh, listening that's used like a, a SharePoint, right, or any large file system. This can happen anywhere. Uh, tools yeah. are really good for like storing stuff, um, and so everybody puts something in, and soon your your storage gets. I, in my experience, at least unmanageable. Uh, I imagine you've seen some pretty bad, you know, I'm picking on SharePoint, uh, but some pretty bad deployments in the enterprise sales enablement space. What, how does it get bad? Like, like, like if you started with like, because everybody starts with a great folder structure and, Oh, go here for the case studies and here for the, how does it get bad? I think the, uh, the, there are a couple of ways. Like one way it gets bad is that there is no, separation between what is work in progress and what is done and available right so Mm -hmm. the advantage of sharepoint is that or google drive for that matter is there is a very low barrier to entry everybody knows how to use office word excel powerpoint similarly everybody knows how to use google docs but once they because of this low barrier to entry and everybody having access as part of the office suite you just have everybody is a contributor everybody uh, like you and i are working on a proposal and version one to version 20 is on the platform so as a result what happens is that it 
it requires extra effort for enablement teams and marketing teams to separate the wheat from the shaft kind of thing. Right? Like, so you, you need to like separate what is done, what is relevant, what is vetted to what Gaurav and Nick are working on, like for a specific opportunity. So I think that's like one big, one big thing. And then the second thing is even after separating it and making it relevant, I think people just assume that putting stuff there is easy, but we are humans. We are attention spans are dropping like crazy. And that's where the problem arises that all sorts of incorrect stuff, invalid things, duplicates, redundant content gets pushed into the platform. And that's where it just becomes unmanageable on an ongoing basis. Yeah. And I think part of it, is is the idea that like there's nothing wrong with having that extra content you know we, we've all met people that think that it's it's in their idea and i think you know like a lot yeah. of school does this and more is better and we've all seen right yeah. like you were talking about we're working on a proposal we've all seen proposal v1 proposal final proposal final final v5 or whatever that is <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, um uh because there's you know the, I, I think the idea is there's no downside to adding in what is potentially good content, but potentially not, right? There's no, there's no like barrier there. Um, and so why not? Um, but it, 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 I mean, as we've seen, it doesn't take much to go from something really useful to something really not useful, right? I like to think yeah. of like how much, and, and this is how I think about it. Like how much milk would you have to add to water to not want to drink it anymore? Like, right? Like, like yeah. if you had a big glass of water, it does not take much milk to be like, uh, I don't know, dude, that's kind of, that's, that's, that's weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you had mentioned like duplicate content really quick before we get into specifically the quality workflow. What do you mean by duplicate content? Like, if, isn't there just one version of a thing? What, what, what is that? No, I think what happens is that I'm, and I'm not even talking about big teams. Like I have done this myself. Like I will create a, a sales deck. I will add it to the repository. And then two months later, I will recreate the same sales deck and add it to the repository. Right. So, yeah. uh, or I will take a version from my desktop and re-add it. So I think duplicate content means I have multiple versions of the case study and they are all floating around for the sales reps. And that just throws the reps off because they are saying like, okay, which one is the right one? Now there are, can be cases where you need like different versions of the case studies. And those are not, the, those don't qualify as duplicate content, but mm -hmm. you would have the same case study, maybe with like some little bit different wording, maybe a different version and they are loaded into the platform and the reps are scratching their head on like, should I share this versus should I share that? And they just stop trusting the source, right? So it's not only about that specific asset, it's about their trust in the source. It's like going to a shop and not finding what you need or getting confused and therefore not wanting to go there. Just like, hey, Nick, can you give me what is the current case study for this customer? Because that feels like a more trusted source than self-serving the content from the repository. Yeah. I mean, effectively going to any content library and not being able to find what you need or finding what you think you need and having it be wrong is effectively yes. a bad customer experience, 
right? Like that's exactly. like if you think of it as your cell phone provider or your internet yeah. provider and you call in, you have options. And the option is just ask the next person or keep it on your computer or, or go around yeah. the system, right? I'm a big fan of going yeah. around the system in any system. So I will do that at the drop of a hat. Um, yes. But, but that's effectively what it is. And, and I think we need to see it as such. Um, we talked about duplicate content. You know, there are a few kinds of, of bad content outcomes uh, that we talked uh, talk about when we talk about having a clean content library. And it all comes back to like purpose-driven content, which is something that you mentioned, which is, you know, what is the purpose of this asset or these assets or whatever that is? And, and how do we keep that, the number of things that serve that purpose as, as few as possible to reduce yeah. uh, kind of the overhead? Now we've touched on duplicate content. Let, let's go one by one here. The second one is what we call like invalid content. Could you explain yeah. what like invalid content is? Yeah, so the invalid collateral is could be as simple as like this is a very common use case we see is that you have a Vimeo video or a YouTube video or some asset on from your website that you add into a content library like most modern sales enablement platforms provide URL-based content, so not everything is file. And then that target URL is no longer available, right? So that target YouTube video is taken off, your Vimeo videos is taken off, which happens in the business, right? Like you, you are pointing to sources and then some change happens within the organization and that target uh, asset is no longer available. That's like one example. Another example, is you um, you upload a corrupted file. Maybe it worked on your desktop, but it was like a corrupted PowerPoint file um, and you uploaded that or you have, um, you uploaded an incorrect file for that matter. Like it has like maybe zero KB size. So there are like these use cases where invalid collateral goes into the platform and it again leads to a very, like a poor experience for the sales rep. Like it's like right. akin to the 404 URL on a website. Like you are browsing a website and then you click on a link and it goes to a 404 URL and that just like kills your brand by like, you know, like certain yeah. percentage, like it's like, oh shoot, right? Um, it, so, so, you know, it, it, the New York Times did a really good study of the New York Times own content. That if you traced every link on their website by year, like it just kind of falls off. And like, if you go back to, I think the first year they started contributing web content, which I think was 97, there's something like only like 15 to 20% of it is, is still there. The rest of it's just dead. It's like, it's yeah. not there anymore. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, but, but to your point about invalid content, uh, a pro tip for everyone out there, um, and maybe this isn't relevant anymore, but you used to have to email in things like Word files or PowerPoint files to like your professor or, or maybe your high school teacher. And, and what they don't teach you in the schools is if you save that file in PowerPoint, but then open it in a text editor and then remove the last few lines, it'll look like a perfectly good file. Maybe the file preview will even show up, but then it'll be corrupted and you're going to buy yourself anywhere from three to 12 hours to get that assignment actually done um, because you did not have it done. And you'll say, oh, I emailed it to you. Oh, here's a real one. You just got to make sure I, I that should... that file... <laughs> I should tell my daughter about it. She is heading to college. I think this would be like a good, good hack. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. 
Don't no, don't do that one. Um, but but your point about it working one machine to another machine, Mac versus uh, uh, PC, whatever they call the other one, um, uh, it, some content just doesn't work. Now the next two, I think, are so so people understand, um, you know, duplicate and invalid a lot. Let's move on to the stuff that I think that outside of sales enablement practitioners, I don't know that people are thinking enough about. And the third one are assets with low engagement. Now yeah. we're starting to get into the world of having an engagement platform, but you can absolutely measure this without one, right? I, yeah. uh, whether you're on Docs or SharePoint, they they keep an audit. Can you tell me what a low engaged asset is and why it matters? Sure. So I think a uh, low engaged asset is, uh, and there are two parts to the engagement. One is, hey, this is a blog post and none of you are, or this is a sales deck and none of the sales reps have ever accessed it right in the last let's say one year period or six month period and there are other sales decks similar to this sales deck that have high engagement so it's also a relative concept so you are not just looking at it in the absolute sense um so you are looking at it in comparison with like other assets same thing like you have five case studies for one of your solutions and one of the five case studies has really low engagement not only that people aren't accessing it but if they are accessing it, nobody's sharing it with the prospect, whereas other four case studies are um, shared regularly and there is engagement, external engagement. So that's what like would qualify as a low engaged asset, like uh, in relation to other assets of similar nature, they are not showing the same level of engagement on mm -hmm. asset. Yeah. And I think that, that becomes like important because um, it's, it's an opportunity for, it's a learning opportunity, but it's also an opportunity to kind of like de decide next steps on what to do. Right. And with case studies, maybe there are low engagement and people like sales enablement managers will still keep it around, but with sales decks and stuff like that, you may keep an asset thinking that this may be needed in the future. This is the whole like Marie Kondo kind of like thing. Like you are, you are going through your clothes and you have a shirt, which you haven't worn in the last three months, but you still keep it thinking that, Oh, I, I think I'm going to get back to this. And then mm -hmm. one year later, imagine if somebody went into your closet and says that, Hey, here are the clothes that have been there for the last like one year. And nobody has, you, you haven't like, not nobody, but you haven't like worn them. Right. It just puts things in perspective and gives you that much more data and confidence to either get rid of them or archive the assets. The, the thing I think a lot of people miss is that every unused piece of content or any low value thing you have in your library is effectively another decision you're making your reps make. Yes. Um, and, and this is going to lead to decision fatigue in one way or another, right? Because, because now you're looking at all of this and we've all worked with people that, that don't understand the value of not having a bunch of crap sitting around. Right. Exactly. And, and they have the best of intentions. They'd be like, oh, well, I mean, if it, 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 it's there, if someone wants it, but what you're effectively making people do is take extra effort to find the thing they need, which takes the value of the library down. Exactly. Exactly. And it's also like a discovery fatigue, right? Like, so you you may be searching content, you may be navigating to the collateral uh, through different links. And yes, the platform will tell you what is like high priority, what is low priority, but uh, it still is telling, like it's still showing that many more things on the screen that takes a little bit of attention yeah. away from the important stuff. 
And the reason that this is important, I, I know we make like the, the closet parallel a lot. Difference here is like no one's hopefully throwing new, cl- new, better clothes into your closet all the time without you knowing. Yeah, and that is exactly, exactly that's exactly what's happening in, in a sales content library, right? You have an entire team of people that are constantly making new stuff. And by keeping old, uh, bad, unused, low engagement stuff, it's harder to find the stuff that maybe you haven't seen, but could be useful. And, yep. and, and, and we run, and that's why, why quality is so important. Um, you know, we, when we talk about a quality workflow, uh, we, you know, going back to, this is part three. The first part is approving good quality, a good content. Second part is giving feedback. Third part is quality. We've identified the bad, you know, assets or the things to look for. Can you give us tips on building in a workflow? How should you be thinking about reviewing this seeing this, if it's automated, at what cadence, what are some best practices for people either with a solution or without one? Yeah, I think uh, if you are not, if you don't have a solution and you don't have it automated, I think you should do this exercise quarterly. I would like to say monthly, but I know that sales enablement managers and marketing teams are super busy. And um, at least if you, if you can do like a quarterly, like, and, the the interesting part is it's not like usually time consuming if you have the data with you, right? Like, so uh, you could like maybe spend half a day or several hours, like few hours and look at your content library and get the obvious ones addressed. Uh, if you have a system, I would recommend that you do it at a much more regular clip, like maybe every two weeks. And the best part about having the system uh, is that if it can find the stuff for you, then you just have to make decisions, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. it's finding, it's like Gmail giving you, hey, here are, like you are coming to the end, and I think Gmail does this, like you are coming to the end of your like storage capacity, and mm-hmm. here are the top 20 emails that have, that are taking like 25% of the storage space, right? Yeah. And and it's, it's now that, the, it has already unearthed the issues for you. It's very easy for you to decide which one stays and which one goes. It's the same thing with, um, and that's the the uh, the motivation behind like automated quality checks is that find the stuff so that this it's the sales enablement managers don't have to go hunting looking at it, right? So they they you find the stuff for them and let them make the decision. It still has to be a human decision on what actions are to take, but get them to 80, 90% there. Yeah. yeah, it's real. I mean, if you went through, like you said, quarterly, yearly, whenever, and SharePoint docs have, have ways to tell you this. If you just removed or at least looked at all of the items that haven't been opened in the last year, you're 80% of the way there. And, yeah. it, and I think, I think for most people, it's going to shock you how, how many things that is. Um, yes. but, but especially yeah. in SaaS selling, like you, you really don't need that much. Um, exactly. the marketer that it kills the marketer in me, but, but what we realize is when we talk about a sales content library, that's one use of content. It's a very specific yeah. use of content and it doesn't have to involve everything, but it does have to be really easy to find and look through. And, and that's where the, the quality comes in. Exactly. Exactly. And I think it's, it's, it's again, like the, um, like we are implementing this, like large enterprise organizations with almost like 
thousand go-to-market team members. So this includes sales, pre-sales, marketing, and their SharePoint instance had um, these two spaces, right? Like they called it showroom and go down. So the showroom part was the sort of like the vetted right format, right version part, and the go down part was the archived and I think and you is it, could, is it right? because like, you is it because you go down a rabbit hole when you try to go in there <laughs> yeah uh i don't know maybe that and uh but it it was an interest like it was still available to everyone so it wasn't that the go down part was like restricted and uh, there are abilities you know like people have hard time deleting stuff like people don't delete like a lot mm -hmm. of folks, I, uh, they wouldn't delete content assets because they always think about, oh, what happens if I need it? Like for whatever reason, right? Uh, if not for sharing with a prospect, just as an inspiration material. Right, right. So there are ways to kind of like archive assets and make the experience much more easier and cleaner for the sales rep without like giving up optionality with content that is like, and this is all talking about like content that is lightly used. Um, as far as invalid content is concerned, either you fix it or you should delete it, right? I mean, there is no excuse yeah. for keeping like broken links and invalid files in the platform because that's just, why would you do that? Well, un unless you really get caught behind on your homework one day, but, but that's a, that's a different yes, use case. <laughs> that's, that's the only use case. Yeah. Like that uh, could be like a, and I don't want to like... <laughs> A judge like uh, pick on sales enablement managers, but like they will mm -hmm. just say, "Oh, the deck is ready on a Monday yeah, morning," yeah. <laughs> and then say, it's the same thing that you said with the university and the professor. Like, hey, the deck is ready, and it's just like a corrupted file. Oh, shoot, the corrupted file. Yeah. Well, I, well, listen, listen. As an SE practitioner, I'm doing that to see how long it is before the uh, sales team actually checks it. And, uh, exactly. <laughs> that's exactly. what I'm doing. Um, yeah. No, but as we, as we come up uh, at the end of the podcast here, I, we've covered common quality issues, why they matter, and and ways with or without a platform to to remediate or ameliorate them. Uh, anything else uh, to touch on here? Anything to plug? Uh, 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 or, sure. Or yeah, thoughts? Yeah. So I think one of the things is that the quality issues that we talk, there are some generic ones, but every business has their own quality issues, right? So every business has processes and best practices that they want their content library to adhere to, right? For example, it doesn't make sense to have case studies if they are not, if the relevant customer is not, information is not available, right? So mm -hmm. that that's like, if you have a case study, that case study we belong and be labeled with the customer for whom that case study is. Um, or there are like, it doesn't make sense to have a sales deck that does not belong to one of the sales stages in the sales funnel, right? So why would you have a sales deck that is not relevant for a persona or a sales stage? Yeah, like may maybe an old sales process that's no longer relevant type. Exactly, kind of thing. So so the question then is that you you have with automated quality checks, I think, organizations can add their own layers of quality checks, right? So if I am an Ablex, I can say that every customer story should have a solution, a buyer persona, and integration tags attached with it. If those things are not available, it should surface that those assets, and then we should rectify them so that they are easily discoverable and reportable, et cetera. 
So I think there is a big opportunity, not just to kind of like use the generic quality checks, but also have enterprises that want to standardize their content library to say that, hey, if these conditions aren't met, we want the system to tell us so that we can rectify it. Do you know any platforms that might do that? No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, hey, th- hey, thank you so much uh, for the time, man. I, I appreciate the discussion. La- ladies and gentlemen, uh, Garv Rode, thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks for having me. This has been Mind the Gap, a podcast about sales and marketing alignment put on by enablers. My name is Nick Lopez. Thanks for listening.